the principle of how to go from blessed to mess. We're going to flip it around now because when we look at David, he was blessed. He had everything and he messed it up. When I read this, I thought about us today. Too many people who go from blessed to mess. Too many marriages go from blessed to mess. They start off strong and united, full of love, and then they end in terrible strife and divorce, and they go from blessed to mess. Too many churches start off from blessed, and they grow and they flourish, and they're blessed, and then they go to division and strife and even close. Too many businesses go from being blessed to mess. Too many families go from being blessed and together to divided and a mess. If anything, David teaches us is that you can take the blessings of God and make a terrible mess out of them. And some of those blessings could be marriage. Some of those blessings can be children. Some of those blessings can be families and finances and responsibility and things that God has anointed you to do, things that God has blessed you for, but by your own flesh and choice, you mess it up. And it's crazy to think that so many people can really make a mess of their life with the blessings God has given them. When you look at the book of James, for example, chapter 1, verse 2, Paul tells this church, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, I want you to notice that the Bible says when, not if, but when trouble comes. Maybe that's you today. You have some trouble in your life. Consider it an opportunity of great joy. That's crazy that Paul says to this church, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of any type. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So notice what the Bible says, that when trouble comes, when trials come, it's God trying to produce something in you and change in your character. So he said, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing Nothing satisfied. And when you read this verse, the Bible says when trouble comes. So sometimes trouble comes in our lives because God allows it to develop our character. And this is necessary trouble because it's what's going to help you grow. It's what's going to help you learn. It's what's going to help you mature. But then there's other types of trouble that God never ordered for you to be in. There are other types of trouble that could have been avoided, that has nothing to do with developing your character, that has nothing to do with growing you or maturing you. Some trouble in your life has only been invited by you. Some trouble in your life has only been as a fact of your choices. So there are troubles that God allows, and there are troubles that could have been avoided. And I believe that there are countless people in the church that have unnecessary trouble in their life. There are people that have unnecessary pain and burden. They have put on themselves, like David, because of choices. 
They're taking the blessings of God and making a mess of it when they don't have to. And they're making a mess of their life. They're making a mess of their future, their family, the plans of God. And it saddens me to see that so many believers alike struggle with this area, bringing unnecessary trouble that could have been avoided, like David, had he simply listened to God. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, whether here or online, but maybe you're taking the blessings of God and you're making a mess of it. And when I read the story of David, and when I read how he messed up his life, even though God forgave him, we have the forgiveness of God, but we still have the consequences of our choices. And it affected David the rest of his life and his children, and his family. And when I read the story of David, I started really praying and asking God, what went wrong? How did this man go from being blessed to being a mess? And oftentimes I preached it myself, and I've heard it preached, and we, we think that often it's because David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. How many of you have heard that before? I've taught that before, and it's true, he was. He should have been out to war, but he was out in the rooftop. But then I started thinking, no, it has to be more than that. I used to think that it was because David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I used to think that David did what he did because he was stressed out. He was burdened, and, and in our stress, we need some kind of escape. And maybe I thought this was a form of escapism, that he wanted to go and, and just have this affair and take his mind off all, of everything. I even thought it's because David was a man and David had flesh and David had needs and desires. I thought it was because David had marital problems. The Bible talks about his problems in his marriage. And maybe, I said, maybe David thought that because of his trouble in his marriage, he went to another woman. But then I realized the absolute number one reason David messed up his life and got a blessing from God and made it a mess. The number one reason, and God even says it. You, I don't know what it is. Because it is the very reason I believe today in our culture and in our society that so many people in the world and in the church are making a mess of their lives. So brace yourself because we're going to talk about you and me and everyone. This message applies to everyone. So before I tell you what it was that David did, I need you to say loudly, preach it, Pastor, ready? One, two, three, go. All right, good. Now I'm motivated. All right, you guys ready? All right. I got a hand clap. That's awesome. Verse 8. Let's read it together there. Verse 8. God says to David, I gave you. Say it with me. I gave you. Has God given you things? All right, that's a blessing, isn't it? So David is reminded by God through Nathan, I gave you. I gave you your master's house. I gave you wives. I gave you the kingdom of Israel. And I threw in a bonus, Judah. And here it is. And if that had not been what? Enough. I would have given you much, much more. But see, when God says it in this manner, God is telling him, David, 
You know why you've made this choice? You know why you got this blessing and messed it up? Do you know why you're going to suffer now? Because you ignored everything I gave you. And you thought it wasn't enough. Had it been enough, I would have given you more. But the fact I didn't give you more is because it was enough, but you didn't know it. And what is that called? Discontentment. I believe whether you love and know Jesus or not, whether you're in the church or not, the devil is wreaking havoc in the lives of so many people. He's wrecking so many marriages, so many families, so many pastors and churches, so many relationships, so many people with this one thing, discontentment. And that's what happened to David. God said, had it been enough, I would have given you more. But I didn't give you more, David, because what you had was enough. Enough was enough, but you didn't see it. You ignored everything I gave you. And you needed more. And David's downfall was the discontentment in his heart. It wasn't wrong place, wrong time. It wasn't lust. It wasn't stress. It was the first thing that happened that led him to make this choice. It wasn't enough. It was discontentment. And it's not only the downfall of David, it is the downfall of so many of us today. We live in this world of discontentment where it's not enough. See, discontentment is this restless desire for more. It's this desire for what you don't have yet. And discontentment comes when it brings dissatisfaction and unhappiness and even frustration because you don't have what you think you need more of. Discontentment will show up when you focus on what you don't have rather than what you do have. And it's one of the greatest strategies of the devil to really mess you up. He gets you to say, like he did David, it's not enough. Had David looked at everything God had done for him, had David been thankful, had David been content, he would have bypassed this temptation of sin for something else and someone else. But see, folks, what the devil loves to do is tell you where you're at right now is not where you need to be. You can be better. You can do more. You can have more. And this is the life that all of us are falling victim to. You see, there's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with working hard in order to get up there in life and, and get more. No, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible tells us to work. But see, it becomes wrong 
When what your goal in life is and what you want becomes the ultimate source of your happiness and you say, I will not be satisfied until I fill in the blank. That's where discontentment lies. And this is what happens and what the devil does. Why does the devil do this? Because it happened to him. Pride and discontentment was the downfall of the devil. The devil was a worship leader up in heaven. The devil began to realize he wanted more. It wasn't enough. And he was cast out. Isn't it ironic that when he tempted man through Eve, he got her to ignore what she did have in the garden and focus on what? What she couldn't have. See, the minute you get your eyes off what God has done for you and your focus on what God hasn't done yet, what God hasn't opened yet, where you're not yet, what you don't have yet, and it causes you to feel empty, it causes you to feel angry, it causes you to feel like you have no purpose, it causes you to feel sad, that's where the devil begins to tell you you're discontent, right? You need more. You need more. It's not enough. And this is where we're at right now. There are so many unhappy people and believers alike that are unhappy because they can't embrace where they're at right now because they're so focused on where they're not and what they don't have. So the single person can't be a happy single until they're married. So they're a mir- you ever met a miserable single person? There's one. Okay. No, have you ever? <laughs> I love you, Maria. And then they get all pitiful on Valentine's Day. Man, you're saving money. Be happy. And you're, you know, you're like watching the Hallmark Channel and watching all the romance. When is it going to happen for me, God? When am I going to walk on the beach hand in hand with someone? I hate being single. And then you talk to a married person. He's looking at your single life and says, man, I wish I were you. I wish I were you. Save yourself. Run! So we look at each other, everyone's life. So the single person wants to be married. The married person wants to be single. The student wants to be in the career already. The career person wants to retire already. The retired person wants to go back to work. Isn't that funny? All around us, there's change and upgrade and move. I need more. I need, you know, the the person in the apartment can't be blessed and be grateful for that he has a roof over their head because they don't have the house yet. And the person with the house can't enjoy the house because it hasn't been paid off yet. 
And the person in the bus can't be grateful that they don't have to walk because they don't have a car yet. And the person with the car wants a newer car. And the person with the newer car wants a bigger one. And all around us, there is something crying out to you, more. You need more. So it causes you to say, God, I'm not pleased with you. It causes you to really lead you to be ungrateful. It can cause you to have doubt, frustration. You can begin to even complain about God. It will lead to envy. Discontentment will cause all these emotions in you that make it impossible for you to see what God is doing in your life right now. Discontentment comes because you let it. And there are three reasons why discontentment comes into your life. And this message applies to everyone because if you would look at your life right now, you can find some words to complain. You can find something that you can say, I wish I had this. Some of you are not happy until you reach a certain place in your life. That's wrong. Where you're at right now is where God wants you to be. Let's just get that over with. Where you're at right now... And I'll prove it. God said to David, had it not been enough, would I have not given you more? So you know what the answer to that terrible question, why is God doing this? Is because you don't have it, because right now you don't need it. And when you need it, guess what? You'll have it. Isn't God awesome? You don't want it now, though. Well, I'll explain why you don't have it now. Number one, reason that discontentment wreaks havoc and gets you from blessed to mess is comparison. Comparison is the murder weapon of happiness. And we live in this world of comparison through social media, television, movies, neighbors, whatever. You always look and someone will have what you want and be better than you. But we can't handle that. Comparison will destroy your joy. You see, the Bible shows us something about David. The Bible says that David, he looked at someone else's life. Just like you look at someone else's life, someone else's career, someone else's family, someone else's marriage, someone else's opportunity. And then you look at yourself and you say, why not me? 
And you begin to compare where you're at and where you're not and why they are at where you're not. You see, in the Bible, there's a group of people that were blessed, but they didn't see it because they kept comparing their lives to other people. And it's found in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, and it's the nation of Israel. When God took them out of Egypt was a blessing. They cried out to God and God saved them. They were on their way to the promised land. They were not stuck. God had not abandoned them. They were on their way to better just like you are, but they were going through what I don't like to admit and I don't like in my own life, a process. And then they had these foreigners around them. They called the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites, they began to crave the good things of Egypt. Crave, desire. So as they're walking to bigger and better and blessed, they started comparing where they're at to Egypt. And the people of Israel, they joined along and also began to complain. You mean to tell me after God got you out of Egypt, split the sea, gave you manna from heaven, like awesome, better than Cuban bread, believe me, I, I know it, and he did all these and gave them water and guided them and they were on their way to a blessing. They started to complain. You're like, oh, that's crazy. No, you're crazy like that. We're crazy like that. We complain. And what's funny is what they complained about. They said, oh, you ever given one of those? Oh, hey, someone tells you I got a promotion. Oh, great. I'm getting married. Oh, wonderful. Oh, you got three kids already and I can't get pregnant. Oh, oh. Oh. How many of you suffer from O syndrome? Thanks, Joe. Oh, everyone else, Joe, they're liars. I suffer from O syndrome. Pastor tells me, my church was full today, like a thousand. Oh, praise God. Our finances are up. During COVID, I'm like, oh, really? Oh. Well, praise you and the Lord. And I'm in my car going, oh, when are you going to do that, God? I'm a pastor too. They said, oh, meat. Oh, the meat in Egypt. Oh, they exclaimed and keep going. Look at what else they said. We remember the fish we used to eat from free in Egypt. We had all these cucumbers and melons and onions and garlic, everything we wanted. And you know what's the craziest thing about all of this? None of that ever happened. It wasn't true. They were actually crying out to God because they were miserable in Egypt. They never had melons. They never had cucumbers. They were starving. But you know what happens with comparison and what the devil does? He lies to you. 
He tells you, oh yeah, that person, their marriage is perfect. Oh, that, that church is flawless. Oh, that person's life is amazing. And you begin to believe these lies. Comparison is a lie. And they began to complain so much that they missed the blessing of God. Do you want that for your life? But see, discontentment will cause you to say, Oh, I wish and I want and why can't I have? And God was doing something that we forget. Process. That time in the desert that they were complaining about was teaching them and growing them, and guess what? Preparing them for the future blessing God had for them. You're not where you're at where you want to be because God is getting you ready for it. But you have to be patient. So every time I walk through the produce section in a grocery store, I always think that all these fruits are talking to each other. It's crazy. And I imagine like the melon saying, I wish I was an orange. And the orange is like, man, that melon's so big, I wish I was bigger. And the peach is looking at those apples. Oh, look at them apples. Oh, I wish I was an apple. I hate this fuzz. I don't know. And all the fruits are different. And they have a different reason, a different purpose. But you know what we don't understand? We do this with people. We look at other people's lives and say, man, I wish I had them. them I, I wish I had that. I wish I was like them. And why do they have this? And you become discontent through comparison. But like fruit, you need to understand every fruit has a season. And the person that is blessed right now that you're comparing yourself to, you're just watching them live now through their season, but you're not in your season yet. And your season is coming. But you want your season now. But you're not going to get it now because when it's not the season, you're growing. Are you with me? That's why all these fruits can compare. But they all have this amazing thing in common. See, yeah, I did make a mess. Sorry, Maria. All these fruits, when you really get down to it, and you get to the center, they all have, they're different, different seasons. What do they all have in common? They all got seeds. That tells you, they didn't start this way. They grew into it. I can look at another life, another church, another pastor, another family, and I can say, man, look what God had done. But if you would ask that person, they'll tell you it wasn't always like this. The reason you're not where you want to be is because right now you're a seed. And God is growing you and preparing you. See, the, the Egyptians, the Israelites, sorry, couldn't understand that right now they were going through the seed process. They were growing. 
And if they would have been more patient and waited and trusted God, they would have been better off than the very thing they were comparing themselves to, Egypt. You know, they wanted melons and cucumbers, but the promised land had fruit beyond that they couldn't even carry. And you're comparing yourself to something or someone when God wants to do more and better in your life, but you're not going to get it because you're wasting your life away complaining and comparing. Are you kidding me right now? Could I keep going? Comparison, number one. Number two. Can I speak truthfully? Number two, you and I, I'll throw myself in there, are ungrateful. Let's just, let's just humble ourselves today. You're ungrateful. Every, every time you complain, you're ungrateful. That's why discontentment comes. We learned last week one of the desired wills of God in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is that you give God thanks. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will. You'll notice the Bible said in all circumstances. Because it's our human nature to say thank you after a nice response. Something has been done that you like. You say, oh, thank you. That's not what God wants. God wants you to be thankful in every circumstance, the good and the ugly, the unfair and the bad. The reason that discontentment comes is because you are ungrateful for where you're at right now. Anywhere you're at right now, you can find a reason to complain. Right now, in this very church, you can find something to complain about. It's hot. It's hot. It's hotter than last Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it's hot. You can find something to complain about me right now. You can find something to complain about your marriage, your kids, anything. You're complaining because just last year, this was a Sunday. They're like, yes, they're going back to school. And now they're not. They're going to stay at home again. Anywhere you can complain. Any food and at a restaurant, traffic, your job. You know what God says? In everything, good, or even the good things that are not even seen right now because it appears to be bad, God says, be thankful. Well, how can I be thankful for something so bad? It's because God is in control and there's a reason for it. God will allow us in situations that may be hard and unfair, but he's doing so to produce something good for his purpose, the Bible says. In any area you can complain about, I believe you could also be thankful for. Yeah, even that crazy husband of yours, there's something you can be thankful for. The job you don't like, there's something you can be grateful for. 
You don't like where you're at in your work right now. There's many unemployed people that would love to be where you're at right now. You don't like the spouse you're with right now. There's many women that would take them from you right now. You're, oh man, I, it's so stressful being a parent. There are many people that would die to have a baby right now. I can complain about anything right now, and, and it takes me off the goodness of God. You can complain about church right now, or you can be thankful that it's still legal to worship here in this country. Because there's a lot of countries right now that they're risking their lives over. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. And it will change your attitude. If you want to complain about something, like something like, mm, mm, hold it. And think, or, and start saying thank you for it. It will change the hatred, the anger, the discontentment you feel right now. But it's all about how you view it. See, Jesus was with his disciples. There was like 5,000 men making it 20,000 people, including women and children. And Jesus said, hey, let's, let's uh, get lunch for everyone. And the disciples, they got the lunch from a child that was just five loaves and two fish. And the first thing the disciples tell Jesus was, this isn't enough. It's not enough. You ever feel like, like telling God, hey, what you're doing is wrong? It should be done this way. It should have been done that way. And God, I think you made a mistake here with my life. It's not enough. And Jesus gets the very bread and that very fish and the very lunch that they said was not enough. He looks up to the heavens and God and says, thank you. Same lunch, different attitude. Being ungrateful has everything to do with your view and attitude and nothing to do with your situation. Let me say that one more time because it was that good. Being ungrateful has nothing to do with your situation and everything to do with your view and attitude. And you know why I know this is true? Because just this morning, my mom preached to me. My dad, you know, dad is a very caring, giving, serving person. How many remember the days before COVID, we had Cuban bread? Oh. <laughs> I know. Some of you went that Sunday, the first Sunday. You weren't grateful we were finally open. You weren't grateful we can worship. You're like, where's the bread? Ah, where's the bread? Discontent people here. I realize you got spoiled in this church. But I still get my Cuban bread. I know. Because I, I know the chef. And uh, so dad toasted me this bread this morning. 
And um, I guess like we were we were watching preaching on television, getting ready for church. He he was in it, loved the message, and I guess he forgot that he was making my bread, right? And and this happened. Okay. Rico así, no, 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 no. She said, oh, that's awesome. That's how desperate she wants Cuban bread. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> and there were two sides. One was good. One was burnt. Guess what side I looked at? I did. I was like, you burned it. And Enrique, he's more the analyzer. You should have gone earlier. You should have paused the sermon. You should have gone and taken the bread out. You know, he's an analyzer. I'm just a complainer. You burned it. I got to preach. But mom, ooh, she said, just eat the good side. And I said, say that one more time, mom. Say that one more time. I said, she, eat the good side. You know what mom did there? She could have joined the rabble, me and Enrique, complaining. But I believe she's so spiritual, she learned in life to see the good and realize that even in the bad, there's something you can see good. Yeah. So sometimes you go to work and this is what you're going to see, but if you look close enough, you might see this. You're going to wake up to your spouse and see this. But if you pray hard enough, you'll see this. You'll come to forward and go, oh my gosh. But if you wait long enough, you'll be like, man, thank you, Lord, Pastor David. It's awesome. You know, you're driving in traffic. Put on worship music. There's always a reason to say, thanks, God. Discontentment doesn't have to happen in your life. Lastly, let's break it down. I like to break it down. Number one, comparison. The murder weapon of joy. Number two, ungratefulness. It's the killer of satisfaction. You can't enjoy where you're at because you keep comparing it to something else. And if you learn to be thankful, you know what scares me about the story of the multiplication of bread? What if Jesus would have joined the rabble? What if Jesus would have joined the attitude of his disciples and said, you're right. What was I thinking? This isn't enough. Let's get out of here. They would have missed a miracle. And I believe that you're missing the miracles of God in your life because you're so ungrateful and you keep comparing yourself to others. And God wants to do more, and God wants to get you out of where you're at, but He can't because you're a terrible little seed. You got to grow. Lastly, and I believe it's the most difficult, you want to get out of discontentment? 
Surrender the plans you have to God and abandon all your expectations. Abandon it. The reason you have discontentment is because you thought God would have done it by now. The reason you have discontentment is because you had a timeline. You had a plan. You had a map. You had a little Pinterest idea. You're like, this is what my life is going to look like. You're like, Frankie drives me crazy. Every week she had a different project in the house. And I'm like, when's it going to stop? She's like, never. ideas and expectations and plans and and I think God's going to do it this way at this time, at this place, in this very second. God, by this time I want to have this. Abandon all your expectations of God and what He's going to do and how He's going to do it and trust Him. Because the Bible said that David, in verse 8, God said, had it not been enough, I would have. That means that sometimes God is not going to do or give what you want because if you needed it, He would have done it. I would have. Hey, I would have brought that spouse to you at 20, but you didn't need him at 20. You're going to need him at 38, 39, 40. 50 even. You're like, oh. Oh, gosh, no, I I rebuke that. That promotion you wanted, you thought you'd have it by now. You know why you don't have it now? Because you don't need it right now. You'll get it when you need it. I would have. I didn't because you don't need it. Surrender your plans to God. Abandon all expectations. All reasons, all seasons, everything belongs to God. I'll close with Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, I thought God would have done this by now, and I I thought God would... My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Can you trust God with that? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. You know what God says? My thoughts and my ways are beyond human comprehension. You'll never fully understand God. There are things you want answers for. God says you won't be able to handle it. My thoughts are not yours. I don't think like you. I don't do things like you. I don't act like you. Could you trust me, God says? See, one of the most phenomenal verses in the Bible is in 1 Timothy 6. 6. It's to Christians. In 1 Timothy 6.6, God says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. That word godliness means to be God-centered. That word gain means to be abundantly blessed. But you know why so many God-centered people are not blessed? It's because they have no contentment. God said godliness. He didn't say any contentment. 
and godliness with contentment. If you don't have contentment, but you have godliness, you won't have gain. to be content in the flesh you're born with. It has to be a choice. Right now, wherever you're at, you have the strength to be satisfied through Jesus. Whatever you want, whether you say, but pastor, I need it now. No, you don't. 
in the same chapter in verse 19, Paul goes on to say, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Notice that we tend to think this means God's going to supply all your needs. He is. But notice in what? There it is again. In Christ Jesus. God is obligated to meet your needs, not your wants. So you need to trust Him. Don't allow the devil to make the blessings of God turn into a mess with your discontentment. Would you bow your heads with me as we close this series? For the past few weeks, we've talked about some messy things. But I believe this one is the takeaway. Maybe you can't see the blessings because you're ungrateful. Maybe you can't see the blessings because you're living in constant comparison. And maybe you can't see the blessings because you have not abandoned your expectations of God and surrendered your will to Him. But you can do all things through Christ. You can be content when your strength is not found in your plans and your goals, but in Jesus. And believe with all your heart that God will meet your needs. He knows where you're at. He knows what you desire, but he especially knows what you need. Trust God to meet your needs. He'll meet your needs through COVID. He'll meet your needs through job loss. He'll meet through need, your needs, whoever the president's going to be. We serve a God that is mightier than anything you're going through right now. And he says, I will do it. But you need to trust me when I don't. You need to believe in me when you're not in it yet. You are a seed right now. You are growing. You're in the process. And while you're waiting, trust me. Stop comparing yourself to other people I bless. Stop being ungrateful and learn to flip your vision and see the thankfulness and the very thing you're complaining to me about and surrender your plans and expectations to me. And God says you will have the strength to be content. So I dare you right now to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my will to you. You know what I want. Tell him what you want right now. But you will give me what I need. Would you stand to your feet so I can play, pray this prayer over you now with your head still bowed? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for our church. I pray for the sheep here. Father, I pray that you give us a vision of thankfulness.
that transforms our attitude. Father, I pray that you renew our minds that causes us to think, why not me and why them and live in comparison? Holy Spirit, I pray that you give us strength to do all things through Jesus. Give us the strength to trust you in the season of want, in the season of hunger, in the season of need. To be so content knowing you will supply our needs. Thank you for this series. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise today. I pray you guys were blessed by that message today. And that you're going to leave here today completely content. If you're tempted to complain, just remember the bread. Just flip it around. Remember that.